Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about alcohol. What is alcohol from the spiritual perspective? I mean, alcohol is an energetic substance. Everything is energy, right? So alcohol is no exception. Uh, But it is a liquid that has, you know, if uh, ingested, basically, has multiple impacts on both your physical as well as your energy body. Those are the two ones that uh, mostly get impacted, your physical and your energetic body, as well as your auric field which is essentially partially your energy body. Um, Yeah, so, you know, it it is a substance that, again, when ingested, would fundamentally be able to impact two of your innermost bodies, right, the physical and the energetic, or two of your innermost bodies, in very uh, significant ways, right? It impacts Mm -hmm. these two bodies. So not only does it have a short-term impact on those two bodies, which obviously, I mean, from the physical standpoint, you, you've probably, a lot of you have experienced what that feels like, right? This feeling of, you know, d- depending on which level of drunk you are, it could be from very pleasurable to ex- extremely unpleasant. But you, 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 at face value, have experienced a lot of the physical symptoms, right? But that obviously is not the only thing that's happening. Um, so there is that impact on the physical as well as in, in your energy body that is, shall we say, temporary, but there is also an impact that is accumulated over time as you consume this uh, good, this product, right? So over time, it would impact you very, very differently. So mm-hmm. the way you would experience the substance, this um, um, type of chemical um, is, you know, you would have ba- basically how you perceive the substance, say the first three times that you're trying it versus time number 3000 is going to be very, very different because there is a process of adjustment, right? That your physical body has to it and your energy body has to it. But of course, it's also an addictive substance, right? And that's why over time, this accumulative effect can take a real toll on your energy body and and your physical body. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you look at the energetic structure, is it an aggregor? Oh, absolutely. Um, so we could say that alcohol is an aggregore. Yeah. So you have a collective aggregore of alcohol, which can be subdivided, uh, by the type of drink, right? So you have your sub aggregore of wine, you have your sub aggregore of beer, you have your sub aggregore of vodka, etc. You catch my drift, right? Yeah. Collectively, they give you one laddered up aggregore of alcohol as a substance. And, uh, is there a way to describe how it looks and uh, its purpose uh, of this aggregore uh, alcohol like as a whole um 
Yes. I mean, the thing is, anytime I'm talking about an egregore, um, I, the way I would describe it is, re- relatively speaking, I would look at its power, right? So the, the egregore of alcohol, and, and the power of the egregore, by the way, is, is exceptionally correlated to how many people partake in, in the egregore, right? How often? And how much of their energy are they giving? And like, what is that energy exchange, right? Yeah. So all of these factors ladder up to how powerful, if you will, the egregore, egregore is. So the egregore of alcohol is easily one of the most prominent egregores on planet Earth. It is one of top 20 egregores, actually, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, so it's exceptionally mainstream, right? Um, and then despite the fact that you don't have the full, like you don't have 100% of the population partaking into the, um, or, or donating their energy to the egregore, it tends to be very sticky. So you, uh, you know, once somebody becomes a habitual drinker, and I'm not necessarily saying that in, in you know, in, like there's casual drinking. It's not like, you know, we're not talking about alcoholics here. But you, but you, you know, once that habit is adopted, this egregore tends to be really good at keeping you pretty much for the rest of your life. So um, that's the one part about this egregore, because like there are some egregores that are quite temporary. For example, I don't know, like the egregore of your school or college. Uh, it kind of like tends to like let you go when you graduate to 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 the for the, for the most part right mm-hmm. yes obviously you keep some ties to your alma mater you you know you might donate but it's not the same thing as alcohol alcohol is kind of like you know as soon as it has quote unquote successfully onboarded you yeah. <laughs> into one of its members it has a really really deep grasp on you um and um most people obviously because they don't perceive that to be or drinking is uh, you know they don't perceive that to be a problem per se um, they wouldn't even want to leave the egregore. And the ones that perceive the drinking to be a problem may not always be able to leave the egregore if they choose to. So from the standpoint of, you know, how would I describe the egregore? It is, you know, it is fundamentally, like any other energetic s- structure that is collective, it is like a big, massive bowl or sphere of energy. One of the bigger ones on planet Earth, mm-hmm. right? And it is exceptionally effective as far as recruiting new members. It is even better at keeping them, right? So like it, um, let's, let's just say that the success ratio um, from the time that you tried your first drink into you becoming a habitual drinker, that success ratio is very high for the segregator. It's fairly successful. <laughs> so it onboards people really, really well. And then, of course, there it keeps it very, very well because there is a lot of peer pressure. There is like a big chunk of peer pressure aspect to the drinking game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And also, it, it is really ingrained in in the cultural uh, pastimes. So, like, it, um, obviously, it is um, an egregore, despite being a planetary egregore. It is stronger in, you know, um, in Europe, for instance, and um, the Americas compared to, let's say, India, right? Yeah, so or like it, Muslim it, countries. Correct, or yeah. Muslim countries, Muslim. exactly. So it is territorial. Yeah. Right, so there are some territories that has, it, you know, it has completely taken over. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And uh, if you um, kind of look at it, like we discussed it last time, uh, this aggregate takes more than gives or gives more than takes? Okay, so... 
it's interesting. <laughs> um, the egregore of alcohol is tricky. Um, it really, from the um, from the energetic perspective, um, when you start, when you're successfully onboarded into an egregore, it really develops a hook that hooks into your energy body. And it's a pretty massive hook, right? It's the one that's not so easy to shake off. So, um, you know, what what ends up happening, right? And, and why people drink in the first place is because it gives you that short-term temporary relief or temporary emotion that you really are excited about or you maybe potentially are addicted to or you just want to experience, right? So some people drink for stress relief, you know, some people drink because, uh, you know, it's fun and it like they can become more sociable, etc. I mean, you you guys know why people drink, right? You don't need me to tell you that. So um, because of that, though, um, what the egregore of alcohol got right is that temporary short-term spike or that temporary short-term emotion where truly that is the give. Of, of, of the of the egregore right so the give is quite immediate and because you guys live in an instant gratification type of society that's why this the substance is so addictive right is because you literally can pretty much feel the benefits quote unquote right away instant right? manifestation exactly instant gratification uh <laughs> i don't know about a manifestation but definitely <laughs> unless you wanted to uh manifest a, a, a party mood uh, yeah. then that is instant manifestation as well yes but um what the, the funny part is it's it's kind of like i would call it the relationship um is the same thing it's, it's the same thing essentially as taking a loan uh, when you borrow money from your bank you get a short-term very quick hit of cash in your bank account right arguably because you're like okay well i want to borrow i don't know fifty thousand dollars and the bank Obviously, if you get approved for the loan, maybe $50,000 is like a too big of an amount. Let's say, I don't know, $5,000 is on a credit credit card, right? Uh, you can essentially get that instantly, that cash that you want. So you can go ahead and buy, I don't know, a TV or whatever else you wanted to buy for that cash, right? And same thing with the uh, egregore of alcohol. It gives you that thing that you want and that you're seeking really, really quickly. And then there is payback time. And that payback time is actually quite lengthy. So you actually energetically pay back that one drink for the next three weeks on average, three to four weeks. You don't know that because payback is also with interest. It, again, the relationship is exactly like a bank. Uh, you guys, you don't realize this, but um, you know, I'm telling you how it is, right? So in, in the bank, when you borrow, obviously you have to first pay back interest, then you pay back principal. But generally it's like, a long-term credit, right? And you end up on average when you borrow, uh, you, especially if it's a long-term borrowing, right? You generally return two times the amount that you borrowed. So that tends to be the case with the egregore of alcohol. Generally, whatever spike you're getting or whatever benefit you're getting over time, uh, the egregore is going to take double from you. Hmm. Um, and that is just, um, and, 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 you know, you, you may arguably ask, how does this work, right? And, and the reason that that is considered to be a fair exchange is because timing is everything. And sometimes in, in order to be able to get something fast or to get like a relief fast, you know, that creates that karmic payback later. Hmm. That's why this egregore is justified in, 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 in kind of like that longer term payback. Um, 
So what also ends up happening with the egregore of alcohol, the interest rate increases the more you drink. So for somebody that drinks like one glass, whatever, a week, you know, that interest might be pretty minimal. For somebody that drinks three glasses a day, that interest rate goes up because that egregore becomes ever so taxing. So like multiple things happen. So first you, th- you have your own things happening in your own body because frankly, your liver is not able to process more than one drink an hour, right? So you're, you're creating some bottlenecks even in your physical body. Same thing for energetic body. On top of that, on top of that, um, because that substance is being accumulated, right? And basically, a dependency is being created. When a dependency is being created, the al- uh, the egregore really has you by, by the neck, so to say. Like it really knows that it's in control, and that is when it starts getting more interest. I'll, I'll kind of explain it to you, maybe. Well, you know how like you guys all have credit scores, right? At least in the United States, you do. But I think like people listening to us from other countries, let's just say that. There, uh, you know, at, when you're borrowing money from the bank, the bank kind of would do an assessment of how likely you are to pay back the loan, right? Or how how much you need the money, basically. How how dire is your situation? Um, say you're a high earner, right, and you're borrowing a small amount, then you know the bank doesn't feel that this is a risky business or that this is a risky deal, and so they'll they're not going to charge you that much interest. If you are, let's say. Maybe your income is small and then you, 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 you're a habitual borrower, right? So they would profile you a certain way and you're like, okay, well, you want to borrow $1,000, 50% interest rate. So they'll charge you something crazy, right? Because they don't know that you're going to be able to pay back. Hmm. Same thing here. If you keep going back to this egregore of alcohol, technically, it like literally there is no better analogy for this is the compare, like more like a better analogy than the bank. Because the more you keep borrowing, especially if you borrow really frequently from it, right? It's going to look at you and be like, okay, what is the likelihood that this person is going to pay back all of this that they owe me? Because uh, the egregore of alcohol knows that you're going to have to pay back over time and your debt has accumulated, right? And by the way, your situation is probably pretty dire, right? And your health maybe is not so perfect because you're drinking. So your physical body is also being affected. So it's going to kind of do its internal calculation and be like, well, I'm going to have to charge it more interest, because it's a risky deal for me. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get that energy back over time. Right? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so basically payback is real with the egregore of alcohol. It is one of the nasty creditors type that would always, um, you know, that, that's always really, really good at getting your energy back. So unfortunately, as far as your relationship with the egregore of alcohol is concerned it's never energetically in your favor whatever you're borrowing in the moment you're gonna have to pay back at least double at a later date so you might not feel it you know and you might by the way there are many ways like that you're gonna be billed or charged energetically and you might not even know it I'll just give you a couple of examples of how alcohol robs you of your energy and you might not even know it obviously there is I mean the like the the absolute apparent way that it does so is by energy and giving you uh, like a physical hangover right so you've all experienced that right where you, yes you get that spike from drinking but the morning after is not so great right yeah. especially if you're getting older and by the way when you're getting older yes your liver is not so great but as you're getting older another thing that's happening with alcohol right 
is you've probably been drinking for some time. So you've already accumulated some debt with this egregore. So the payback every time is harder and harder because the interest is higher and higher. Right? Yeah. Energetic interest is higher as well as your physical interest is higher because your liver is not as amazing as it once was. So the very obvious payback is a hangover. But even that acute uh, payback, energetic payback can last for the, the first three days after drinking. And then it kind of like diminishes over time, but up to three to four weeks, you might still be paying back that energy that you borrowed. It's kind of like, you know, that hit of like, you know, if, if you're very, very joyful, it's almost like it gives you that extra energy, but it uh, it's like you borrowing from your own future energy, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. You, you just get an advance today against your future earnings, so to say. Yeah. So it takes you from, it, it takes from you um, in, in a form of energy. So that concept of, I don't know, like you might be tired uh, at the end of the day and you're like, oh, I'm tired because of my job. Well, you might be tired because of your job, but alcohol is not helping. So alcohol can be adding, I don't know, 10, 20, 30% to how tired you feel at the end of the day, right? So there's that. Then alcohol can also tax you in terms of moods and mood swings. So, um, and that is a whole other aspect to it. But, um, and, and we can address that if you'd like. But um, consuming alcohol makes you much more prone to mood swings mm-hmm. in the first place. So um, what you might notice, and this is so not obvious, unfortunately, somehow for humanity, but I urge you actually to do a test and... Um, say you go one week without drinking and you just watch your mood swings um, and then um, do another test. I'm not saying you have to drink for another week, but like, let's say you would do like um, one week with how you would regularly drink. Like uh, don't, don't change your drinking habits, but like do one, one week without any alcoholic drinks and do another week with how you would normally drink and then uh, do a journal of like your mood swings or really maybe not just swings. Let's not call them swings. Let's just like measure your mood, right? And you will see that you actually have, in general, you're in the better mood on the weeks when you didn't drink compared to the weeks that you did. Because another way that alcohol can tax you if it doesn't want to take your energy, the egregore itself, and that is the subconscious energetic contract that you enter into when you consume alcohol, Hmm. right? Whether you want it or not, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay back. And one way that this aggregate charges you is by taking your good feelings or your good mood. Hmm. That's one way that it can take you, right? Yeah. So say something happens, and you know, it's, let's say like it's a minor, I don't know, like a, a circumstance or an event that gets you out of your zone. Generally speaking, if you were not paying back your debt to the alcohol aggregate, you would like just brush it off, and it would not get down like it wouldn't get you down so much but because you know alcohol may charge you with your positive emotions sometimes it would like in in the moments where you could lose your center or you could lose your cool it would flip you over the edge Hmm. and so you would notice that you become almost like a little bit more irritable um a little more a little bit impatient a little bit more pessimistic all of these things are just like a byproduct of your energetic relationship with the egregore of alcohol. And again, it only gets worse over time, not better. Also, the highest percent, the higher the percentage of alcohol, the higher the interest. Uh, uh, if we if we look obviously at the same amount consumed, right? Yeah. So 
beer is taxed less compared to vodka for the same amount consumed. But this is not true. Like if you drink, I don't know, a case of beer versus a shot of vodka, obviously quantities really matter, (laughs) right? So you're going to watch your quantities as well, right? That's so interesting. Oh, um, and uh, sorry, there is one other thing because I worry that you're not going to ask me about it and I really wanted to say this. Yeah. Okay. You guys are all familiar with your auric field. Uh, and, you know, we talk about your energy body all the time. What we don't talk about, generally speaking, is outside of just like the, the fact that the energy moves, that one of the most important functions that your energy body plays is protective is a protective function. Don't want to call it defense necessarily, but uh, it is actually a, a certain, like a slew of um, protective functions that your energy body has. Uh, very often it would protect you from the impact of the outside world. Again, unbeknownst to you, this all happens in the background. You might not be aware of it, but what ends up happening is, let's say you are in a room full of people or I don't know, in a subway walking ba- by a person that is toxic or, I don't know, drunk or anything um, that is not positive, right? Your own auric field, your own energy body is going to act like a shield to a certain degree, protecting you from all of these outside influences that might not be beneficial to you. What the... uh, What your relationship with alcohol does is it actually erodes the part of your energy body that um, serves as a protective shield against all the negative impacts of the world. And although, you know, if you drink like one glass of wine here and there, it's not going to be able to do something because again, with alcohol, it's all about how how much you drink and how often, right? It's about the, the quantities that you're consuming. But if you drink habitually, over time, your auric field is going to become eroded enough so that, you know, not only is the surface side of your auric field is going to be damaged, but there could be chunks of your energy field completely missing. Because over time, what the energy, uh, like a portion of this payback is also going to be like, that you, like all of that interest that you're going to be charged is literally chunks of your, eric, uh, your etheric field, your energy field unbeknownst to you. That is why alcoholics, 100% of the time, their energy fields are exceptionally damaged. Like if you looked at it, it would be very similar to an organ that is um, affected by cancer. Like when 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 a surgeon is doing like, an, a, 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 like a surgery removing cancer from the body, the way that that organ, like whatever organ they're removing that is impacted by cancer cells looks like, right, inflamed and, and, and you know, not to say rotten, but like it, it's really eaten up from within mm-hmm. by, by this cancer, uh, by this darkness that is cancer. The same thing happens to your energetic body if you're addicted to alcohol. It, it, and you become very, 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 very easy prey to energy parasites because of that. And by the way, you don't even have to to go full on alcoholic for you to become a lot more available as an energy to anybody who could, who could want to fit off of you, who would want to fit off of you. Right. Again, so you, you imagine no alcohol, you have this shield in the form like of your energy body 
And the more you consume that substance, that shield, shield just becomes thinner, thinner, thinner. And at one point, part, chunks of it just disappear. And then, you know, anybody who wants a part of your energy uh, can partake in it for free, so to say. So it's like fair game and, you know, it's like a buffet table of your energy and, and, and you don't even know that you're giving it away. Hmm. So again, like over time, that can become like a pretty drastic problem. Yeah. And that's why over time it's so hard for alcoholics also to give it up because to give it up, you actually need to have energy. But if your energy field is the number one thing that's damaged, what you're not going to be able to have is, you know, the strength of will. And then in general, like your whole um, ener energetic structure is going to be so out of whack that it's, it's really hard to piece you back together, yourself back together. So I would say as far as egregores are concerned, as far as specifically egregores that are very common and almost like commonly accepted the egregore of alcohol is about the nas one of the nastier ones that um you know enough so that if you could only see it from the energy perspective you wouldn't want to come anywhere near the substance how come uh it became this way like this kind of negative um was it like this from the beginning so yes um how come many there's not one factor but the most important factor is that again collectively the egregore is serving humanity because it is providing that instant gratification in the moment it is providing that short-term boost when it's needed hmm. um so humanity has manifested it, make no mistake, right? Correct. But it's almost like manifesting a prison for yourself, right? So humanity has manifested a lot of things that serve as lessons and not necessarily, not everything is a Garden of Eden. All right. Right? So that's the, like, the, the true ans answer is humanity manifested this egregore because they wanted this short-term, like, boost of happiness or relief like, because there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of, um, you know, not just stress, but also fear. You know, there's all these negative emotions, let's just say, right? In 3D. Consuming alcohol inhibits certain receptors in your brain and in general, it just changes how your brain functions. So it is an alternate state of reality. It provides you that short-term um, escape. And because all of you, 100% of you are under so much pressure in, 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 in this world. Humanity wanted a reprieve. You guys wanted a break. And you're like, you know what? I just need a break from this. Anything. Give me anything. I don't want to feel the way I feel. I don't want to think the thoughts I think. Can you just please, please, please do something about it? And alcohol was manifested as an answer to that. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Now, is that the only stress relief technique? Absolutely not. There are many others that are healthy. Meditation is one of them. It provides the same amount of stress relief, right? Another thing, why, why do people drink? Stress relief is not the only thing, but like we've been, been here many, many times before. Uh, they call alcohol a social lubricant. And planet Earth just happens to be the planet where you go to fix your relationships or where you go to work on relationships, right? So to make any type of social interaction, especially where there are a lot of people participating, less awkward. A lot of people would use alcohol 
A lot of you would even say, oh, I cannot be in a like, large group of strangers unless I'm drinking. And here, I think you have to look at yourself in the mirror and really face the inauthenticity of that hmm. behavior, right? Because if you came here to connect with people and build relationships, the absolute last thing you should be doing is fooling yourself with a glass of something, of alcohol, that you're belonging. Because that is actually not, it's a fallacy. It's not a real, authentic connection to anyone, right? Yeah, is it fair to say that it's a coping mechanism? Absolutely, one billion percent a coping mechanism. It, like in all cases or like? Not in, in all cases, no, no, no. Like, I no. mean, there's like literally, we there's probably 50 different reasons why people can, can consume alcohol, yeah. right? Yeah. But in social interactions with large groups of people, especially strangers, it is a coping mechanism because you don't want to deal with the emotion of fear of connection. Mm -hmm. And then there are other fears that are associated with that. Fear of being judged. Fear of how are they going to perceive me? Am I good enough? Am I enough in the first place? Is what I'm saying funny or smart? You know, also dates and dating. A very... It's exceptionally, quote unquote, normal to go out for drinks or have drink with like dinner or whatever on the first day because these interactions are like, you know, whatever, awkward or, you know, but it's also part of you not fully being able to be authentically who you are, right? Because there are some parts of yourself that you have denied or you're not comfortable with or you're not fully in love with who you are, right? Yeah. And so I actually recommend parts work, right? claiming back and soul retrieval in this particular case and not alcohol because alcohol is actually running in the opposite direction of, of, of solving your issue. Hmm. And there have been way too many relationships solidified and built on alcohol and by alcohol that once these people then get married and are trying to have a family and build something that is not alcohol related, somehow it doesn't stick together. Well, because you haven't spent too much time together sober. So when you're forced to do that, it doesn't fit. <laughs> and by the way, it would have never fit, right? There are just some legitimately some people that you're not going to feel comfortable with without alcohol. Chances are they're not your soulmates. They're not the people you're supposed to be in a relationship with in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So by fooling yourself through consuming the substance, you actually make your road towards where you're trying to get go longer, not shorter. Makes right? Sense. It's yeah. like one step forward, 10 steps back. <laughs> and uh, are there any other negative effects that alcohol um, has on your physical? I mean, I, I think we know physical, but more like energetic body, maybe mental or emotional well emotional i have kind of mentioned that um it may um because it is charging you interest it may actually uh, lay claim on some of your positive emotions right yeah so as it is laying claim on your positive emotions it's kind of like taking the positivity out of the equation leaving you all the other stuff right yeah. And in a sea or in an ocean of emotions where the positivity has been taken away, there's just negativity and neutral in the spectrum left. 
I'm not, I'm not saying that alcohol is going to take 100% of your positive emotions. It just doesn't have that power. It can't. But it can take a big enough chunk, right? And by the way, positive emotions are a precious commodity. They don't get generated quite as often as I would like to on this planet. And um, I wouldn't say that most like humans live in a world where the majority of their emotions are positive, unfortunately, right? So given that you guys already are experiencing a lack in that department, giving it away as payment to an egregore is also not the smartest thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, other energetic, I would say really like that, that one is pretty big. The, the fact that it erodes your energy body mm-hmm. is, is pretty massive. Is there, uh, is there anything? Yes, there is, there is more stuff. So, um, sorry, I'm just scanning the energy body, right? Uh-huh. Now there are many aspects to the energy body, but it also would, um, impact all of your chakras um it it tends to i wouldn't want to say block necessarily but slow down the activity in all of your higher chakras so alcohol does not necessarily impact your lower chakras negatively so anything but like solar plexus and below like there's short-term impacts but like long-term it's it's it, it doesn't really work with these centers like it keeps them as is right um, m- meaning like it's not going to create like a sediment or like any type of residue in these centers, right? It might claim your energy from those centers, but it's not going to deposit any debris in, in, into, in, into those chakras. It may start impacting um, your higher centers. And specifically what alcohol does over time is it can, can completely block your third eye as well as your crown. So alcohol is not best friends with these two higher aspect chakras. So if you are on a spiritual journey, right? If you would like to have good meditations, good a good yoga practice, uh, anything that is, or like if one day you would like to go through awakening or you are in the process of awakening, I would say this energy just doesn't serve you. Because it would impact your higher centers the most. And what it does, it kind of like clogs it. If you guys had like a clogged sink, right? Where like the water just doesn't go through. That's exactly what alcohol does. Again, it it wouldn't be able to seal it off of one glass of wine. But habitual drinking, even if you have like one drink a week, could and would over time impact your higher centers. So if you just happen to be the kind of person that's really interested in keeping those centers open, you know, and in fact, working on expanding those centers, you know, working with your pineal gland, expanding your third eye, trying to get the the messages and trying to get the, you know, become more intuitive, et cetera, et cetera, trying to communicate with your spirit guides. I would say alcohol is the absolute last thing you should be doing. So just Hmm. be mindful of that, right? interesting because uh, in one of our episodes we were uh, talking about uh, awakening and uh, you mentioned that a lot of people who are supposed to be um, awake (laughs) still sleeping Mm -hmm. Uh, I was wondering if alcohol could be the reason partially yes and we did mention that um, you know one one uh, 
it's really hard to be on the path to awakening and be habitually drinking. And what ends up happening with, uh, with that egregore is it would, as you're drinking, another way that it impacts your energy body is it would concentrate on most of your energy in your lower chakras right? Mm -hmm. So imagine that you're like a pillar of light, which you you are, by the way, right? So when your energy is coursing in in its healthy way, um, there's going to be enough energy in, ideally in all of your centers, there is going to be a good chunk of energy, right? What alcohol does is temporarily for at least three hours, right? And three hours is all it takes, by the way. Um, Three, for three hours, as you're drinking, consuming alcohol, all of the energy that was in, you know, in your higher centers is going to go down to your solar plexus and below. So pretty much in everybody that's consuming alcohol, they're only like for the first three hours after you consume even one drink, most of your energy goes to your solar plexus and below with only trace, literally like trace percentages, like under, under one tenth of a percent is left in each of your higher centers. Wow. Which is not normal. Not normal. Your heart, you know, even for like an average human, would generally have about 5 to 8% of your energy. Like 100% of that would pretty much go down to fuel your lower chakras. And, um, you know, as you're on your road to awakening, it's always about, I mean, it's, it's so cliche at this point. It's not even funny to talk about it on a spiritual podcast, but like, it's all about raising your vibrations, raising your vibrations, guys, is the same thing as making sure that more energy, more of your energy goes to your higher chakras as opposed to your lower chakras. So it's all about how the hundred percent of your energy is being distributed between at least the seven centers. And I know that there are more chakras than that, but Hey, we can always use the most rudimentary system for me to be able to like explain to you what happens in your body, right? So you can work exceptionally hard, you know, meditating, I don't know, breath work, sound baths, all of these other things, you know, to try to get even like one or two or 3% up, you know, this ladder, Uh, because, you know, true awakening does only happen once you start engaging your centers from the heart and up, right? And, and, and so like you, you need to elevate those vibrations and then alcohol completely throws you off your game. So next day, by the way, you also cannot get back to your normal because hangover, you know, while the first three hours after consuming drink is probably the worst energetically. And then your energy becomes normalized a little bit. Right. But that next morning, like for the full, for the next 24 hours, you're not going to be able to get into your quote unquote normal energy state. Right. Yeah. So each of your higher chakras is going to have way less energy than it's supposed to. And then you're going to have to do all of these recovery work to just get you to your base level. Hmm. And for most of your base level is not the level that is required for awakening. It's way below that. Right. Yeah. So you're already not starting from, like rainbows and purple unicorns. You're already at a disadvantage. And then alcohol completely throws you off of of the path. And listen, I don't like being categorical. As in, I don't like to be prescriptive. Because I think the last thing that you need is a prescription. Because this society is frankly too full of dogma. And if anything, I hope, I hope that you use this time 
you know, as you're working on your spirituality, to look within and seek your own answers instead of listening to people like me who are going to give you the answers on the platter. However, you do need to be informed, right? Because you're not being taught any of this in school. And it is unfortunate. And a lot of you fall prey to something like the everywhere of alcohol, not even fully understanding on a, at a conscious level what that is costing you, right? Now, if upon hearing this information, you still decide that you want to drink, then more power to you. Because I'll be the first one to tell you that each of your paths is different. And by the way, not everybody is meant to be on the awakening path, right? And some of you are just dealing with the issues of the solar plexus. So I'm not, I don't want to say don't drink. Ultimately, it is up to you and you make your own decisions, you know, but it is important to understand the behind the scenes and what actually happens so you can make an informed decision. Right. That's cool. And uh, in case, uh, I know we already spoke about this in our episode about egregores, but if you want to leave this egregore, uh, is there a way or like, can you leave uh, without paying the debt that you own? It depends on what state you're in because it, well, it also depends how much you owe. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, and the answer is going to be yes and no. Um, so like th there, there is a way, but you know, it also depends on how much personal strength of will you have, right? Because it's, it's a little bit of, um, it's a little bit of a trap, you know, this egregore. Um, I will give you some, you know, thoughts on how you should exit, mm -hmm. you know, and how you should take your energy back. Uh, and then some tips. Um, now, obviously, there are people that are so far down this, you know, rabbit hole that they have so much debt accumulated and they're so addicted that at this point, you know, one podcast is not going to do anything to them. Luckily, most of you are not there, right? So if you have this conscious decision to leave, you always can, right? First things first, with any addictive substance, you, you cannot quit it cold turkey. You're going to have to replace it with something else right? Hmm. That's just at the physical level yeah. we're talking. So you would want to come up with um, a type of substance that could replace alcohol for you. I'll give you a quick example. Say you really like champagne, right? Or like champagne and wine, whatever. And, and champagne is a form of wine. Uh, but you decided that alcohol is not going to be a thing anymore. What you want to do is substitute it for the closest thing that there is to champagne, which could be sparkling water with lime and like, I don't know, a hint of something else. Mint, right? Make it a cocktail from with sparkling water. But like, and you can even for the first, I don't know, 21 days, you can drink it from a glass that has a stem, like a champagne flute, right? So you've kind of still kept the ritual, but you've changed the substance. And... You know, you would be surprised that you are just as addicted to the ritual as you're addicted to the substance, right? Mm. So if you're used to having a glass of wine with dinner, you still want to have a glass, a wine glass of something at dinner. Does, but it is, it's not just not going to be filled with wine. Again, like a long stem glass, 
Yeah. And if you're used juice. to like doing toast, you can do the freaking toast with water. It's fine, right? So keep the ritual, change the substance. That's the very physical aspect of it, right? Um, in terms of leaving the egregore of alcohol, it's um, a little bit like leaving any other egregore. The problem is, um, as you are... Um, that's what's tricky about the egregore of, of alcohol. And that's why it's one of on the trickier ones. You know, um, it's hard to leave even energetically um, because it is an addictive substance. The other um, egregores that would be similar in terms of how hard they are to leave would be some religious egregores that really like sink their claws in you are really hard to leave as well as um, drugs. Some drug, um, I don't know, like heroin, for instance, extremely hard to leave uh, that egregore. Uh, not to scare you guys, but I just want you to understand how to leave this thing. Most egregores that are not so hard to leave, like an egregore of your school again, or like an egregore of uh, a job. Uh, there's just like one simple cord that connects you to that egregore. And as long as you cut that cord with a sort of light, you're good to go. The problem with the egregore of alcohol is that on an energy level, it hooks into you hooks into your energetic body and you don't always know how many hooks it has because that is one of the very few um, egregores that can have more than one connection point to you um it could have actually up to 30 anchors uh into one human body right so as you are doing an energy practice, you're going to have to do the cord cutting. Uh, like with any, any type you're trying to, anytime you're trying to live an egregore or to end a relationship, right? You always want to do what's called the cord cutting practice, right? Because every time, you know, when you have a relationship with someone or something, there is that energetic thread that connects you to that person, thing, organization, etc. So you always want to do the cord cutting and, you know, the energy retrieval exercise, which is one and the same thing. It's, it's or should I say this is the two-step process, right? So with the energy of, um, with cutting the cords with the um, egregore of alcohol, first things first is you want to center, you know, into your body, breathe, close your eyes, get into the zone, right? And then you want to look at, you know, imagine your body as a bowl of energy, and then imagine the egregore of alcohol as a bowl of energy right next to you. And you want to, you know, ask the universe to show you exactly how many connecting points that this egregore, how many hooks does it have into your body, hmm. right? Like you want to reveal all of these pathways because, you know, for those, you know, I've seen some people trying to leave this egregore by cutting one cord and then there are like 16 others left. And that's a problem because you've only solved one sixteenth of an issue, right? So you want all of these cords to be revealed. And then you want to cut each of them, you know, one at a time. Or if it, you know, if it's too many, hey, 30 is a lot potentially, right? You just want all of them to be revealed to you and then you just want to keep cutting with the light sword until you're really done. And they're like, no, there's no other cord that's connecting you, right? Then when that is done, literally imagine that you're taking, because like you've cut the cords, but the hooks are still in, in your etheric body. 
what you want to do is you want to remove these hooks from the etheric body one at a time, you know, and then as you remove a hook, there is a wound in, in, in your energy body. So you want to heal that wound. And the way you do that is by pouring white light into that um, wound, into the like the little hole that has been created in your body, right? And patch it up almost like um, when you're in a house and you like you drilled a hole in the wall because you wanted to hang a picture or something. And then you're moving out and you like remove the picture, but then the hole in the wall is still there. So you want to patch it out so there is no hole because anytime you have a hole in your etheric body, you guys, anything can enter. And that anything is not always beneficial to you, let me tell you. So you want to make sure that there are no holes in the walls. <laughs> <laughs> so removing these hooks, as you remove them, you can feel free to discard them into ether. They're just going to disappear in, in their own right. So that is the cord cutting as it relates specifically to this very, very, very tricky egregore. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to say something weird, but it is what it is. There is a guardian spirit for the energy, for the egregore of alcohol. Bear with me here because this is real energy work and I can skip this part, but it's not going to be fully complete. Uh, the etheric entity that watches the um, egregore of alcohol is a snake. In order for you to not get hooked and sucked back into it, you want to imagine an energetic snake that belongs to this egregore and you want to ha- you kind of want to cut its head off. I know it's kind of violent, but trust me, <laughs> you need to do it. So you want to cut it off and then you just want to see that snake disappear. So that that snake, again, it's an, it's an energy. We're not killing an animal, I promise you. And by the way, there is nothing wrong with the energy of the snake. Please don't think that the snake is a bad animal because I all of a sudden just see you all of a sudden go and be like, oh, I remember Garden of Eden, snake, devil. No, no. Snake is a beautiful animal, really. And there are just as many great things about snakes as there are not so great things about snakes. It just happens so that the egregore of alcohol picked snake as its guardian. That's it. So you want to, by cutting that snake, what essentially what you're communicating to the universe is that, no, you don't necessarily want to go back and you don't want to be like accidentally, you know, brought back into the egregore. Uh, and last, what you want to do is you want to take the energy that you have already given to that egregore, all of your interest, you want to take it back. And the way you do that is you imagine right, right next to you, there are like pretty much empty cups or empty glasses um, that can be filled with energy, like water, because energy is like water in, 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 some, in, in some way. So you want to just claim your energy back, right? Um, so you want to give the egregore back its energy that you've taken from it, and you want to take your energy back. Right, like any energy exchange, it's a give and take relationship. So if you give back all of your uh, egregore's energy back to it, it must give you back your own. Right. So imagine how the energy that you borrowed from the egregore during your, you know, this short like instant gratification spikes, it's going back to the egregore, and all of your interest and all of your energy comes back into the empty vessels, into the empty glasses and cups that you have in front of you. And you can literally see in your mind's eye how those cups are starting to fill up with all the energy that you've given away in interest payments to this egregore. And 
for some of you, it may be thousands of these cups, thousands of these glasses filled to the brim with your energy that is now returning back to you. Once you've collected the energy, like, and by the way, let this process run. Don't cut it short, you know, let it run. As soon as you're done or like, and how do you know that you're done? Like at one point, there's going to be no more energy for you to claim back. And so at one point, you're just going to, it's just going to stop, right? And you're going to be like, okay, well, this glass is half full, but there is no more energy coming. So what you want to do is you just want to take all of these glasses and almost like hug them back into your own etheric field, into your own energy field, kind of like hug, hug them back and let that energy rejoin the rest of you. And that's it. And that is how you do the cord cutting and the energy retrieval. Nice. Yes. That's awesome. Yay. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this. You're very welcome. <laughs> All right. Can I just say something else? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, you guys, your liver needs <laughs> needs some help. Um, as you're doing this exercise, right, chances are if, if you've been consuming alcohol, your liver is not in its most beautiful, potent state. So we want to do like a really, really quick liver healing exercise just as a part of it so that poor organ can come back to its pristine state um, that it has to its equilibrium, shall we say, because there is like a, a liver of somebody who's a habitual drinker is a very sad sight indeed. Um, you know, it um, energetically, it also like that organ in itself, like it's uh, the organs etheric field is not in its best shape because it starts forming clots. Uh, energy clots they look like literally like clotted blood I don't know how else to explain it it's not pretty and it constricts the energy flow uh, of that organ and it prevents it from releasing toxins in your body so it actually can create a massive toxicity environment in your body um, where it can start with alcohol but then all the other toxins are not going to be eliminated which over time is not great. So by the way, I actually do do recommend you do a liver cleanse. And by the way, there are so many, so much literature out there on how you do a liver, liver, liver cleanse on the physical level, right? And I would recommend that as, as a part of this exercise because it's like a great reset. It's like coming back to state zero from which you can start a new life, right? Uh, from a non-toxic place, but also on an energetic level. What you want to imagine is that like your liver is... Um, like everything in the matrix, it has a grid, right? It's made up of a grid of, of lines, um, you know, vertical and horizontal. And these lines are supposed to be golden because like healthy energy state is a golden state. Um, white or golden, but you know, it, there are many, there are just a few healthy energy states. Now, for those of you whose livers are not necessarily their most optimal state, um, what you would see is, it's almost like um, there are like black spots in this grid where nothing is flowing, where there is no flow. And because energy is actually very similar to electricity in an electric system where th that is not continuous, there is no electricity. When there is no electricity, the organ cannot heal itself properly. So what you want to do is you want to jumpstart the electricity circuit. You want to jumpstart that circuit and almost like flush the system of your liver um, out with, uh, you can think of it as light water. It would be coursing like the water or like a stream of electricity. And you want to like literally um, enable it to flow, 
specifically in those dark spots, right? And and first you want to do like the surface level of your of your organ, right? So just like allow all of that light water, um, or, or like stream of light, just to course through the grid of your liver, washing away all the dirt, all the debris, and like literally, literally unclogging the pores and everything in in the surface of your organ. And then when you're done with the surface, there is that same grid that penetrates the within, like the inner part of the organ as well. So in like allow all of those pathways to be cleansed and cleared as well, right? Uh, And healed. So just wanted to, you know, it's a very quick exercise, but it could be really helpful for those of you that need some help in the liver department. Awesome. And then physical... Uh, cleanse <laughs> yes please <laughs> awesome all right uh thank you so much for sharing this information with us today and um, now i'm going to end this session thank you so much for listening to conversations with my higher self podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode if you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love, Maria and Sergey.